Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, anyone vested in the world of education. And I am the host, Aaron Barnes. And today I've got my two policy guys as co-hosts. You've met them. You met them last season, uh, Brant Kale and Todd Thompson. Uh, Guys, Remind the listeners, because actually we've picked up probably another 100 listeners since we started season two. Um, Tell the people who you are. Brent, let's start with you. Who are you and what is your role here in Epic? Well, I joined Epic about four years ago, and I work in community relations for the communications department of Epic. Predominantly, I spend my time watching the legislative sessions as they occur annually meeting with stakeholders across the state, and then representing EPIC at various events uh, for chambers of commerce or uh, other activities that there might be a stake for EPIC to be in as well. All right. And, and Todd, is, is your role the same, different, nuanced? What, what do you do here? Well, so I work with Brant, and instead of repeating exactly what he said, <laughs> I do the same. The thing is, is that there's so many legislators, so many stakeholders. Some people build relationships in different ways, and so we're able to connect with different people because of different uh, past connections uh, that we've had. I would just say to all the teachers and parents out there and students that we're really kind of an advocate for you uh, as we speak with state leaders and, and legislators. All right. So we were, I mean, we were just kind of discussing before we hit the record button. I don't know that we spoke in the year, uh, 2021 during the last, this last school year. Um, I think the last time we spoke had to have been December or January, right before the session started. Talk to me. Um, guys was, was the, was the 2021 session good or bad as far as Epic goes? And I, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, Just, please. Uh, yeah. I would say that uh, the – so there's a couple of factors here, but if we're just talking about the legislative session, I think it was extremely successful for Epic because um, really nothing of substance passed that – that had a negative impact on Epic. Uh, the challenge that we had was not in the legislature. Now there may be coming up here in this next year, but it was with uh, those entities that we can't control: uh, the state department, the auditor, uh, the state vir- wide virtual school board, uh, so on. Uh, even yeah, and so those are things that we really don't have any real strong way to influence or connect with. I, I would add that some of the issues that really affected our school also were in the uh, uh, court of public opinion mm. um, with news outlets and media resources. They weren't necessarily at the state legislature. I, I feel like the state legislature really took a hands-off approach this last legislative cycle, waiting to see what the regulations of the state entities that govern EPIC, what they would decide to do, how they would proceed and then they're going to follow through with probably legislation this session that we should expect to clarify 
and to update some of the actions that have already taken or actions that we've taken internally. There's been a lot of changes we've done to correct the course of action for our school system, uh, and I think that that will be parroted in some aspects with legislation. We've already done it, but they will come back and say that this is how it should be done in the future, which is just uh, us being ahead of the curve. And so, I mean, you guys are you guys are talking with legislators. You're talking with those different um, groups, uh, chambers, and such. What I mean, I, I know you guys were just at a, a chamber meeting. What just two weeks ago here in Tulsa. What are kind of some of the things that you're hearing, uh, Todd, that um, that show that we are moving the market and people are hearing that we're moving the market in the right direction? Well, I think the one thing that you're going to hear uh, that I continue to hear in a variety of groups is, man, I really appreciate what Epic is doing. I really, I think there's a place for Epic. I, I believe that they're having an impact, and some of them even have personal stories. My grandkids in Epic, my my daughter's uh, a teacher for Epic, you know, whatever it is, right? And, and so there's a lot of positives. The going back to what Brandon just talked about, the court of public opinion, the challenge for legislators and state leaders is that the media and the opposition to a new model like ethic that's successful is been so coordinated to um, put out in the public that there's something wrong with ethic. Uh, there's something unfair. There's something dishonest, whatever it is. And so I think there's a pressure that legislators will continue to feel to do something just to prove that, that they're taking care of Epic. They, a lot of them can't put a finger on exactly what that is, but they just know there must be something because everybody talks about it. <laughs> I, and I, no, and I, I think that uh, the challenge is that, um, you know, Epic's made a lot of changes as Brandt referenced. Uh, we have a whole different system kind of that we're, we're looking to operate under this year. But for those people that are opposed to Epic, they're opposed to our success. And so they, they will still continue to look for ways to try to tear us down. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's exactly right. Um, Okay, so Brant, I'm coming to you for this one. And we're, and we're going to have to speculate uh, because we just don't know but, um, you know, we've got Delta making its, its ugly way across the state and, and hospitals are out of room again. And, and, um, and we've got last year, TPS said, hey, we need more money because it costs a lot more to teach this way. And, and for the last 10 years, people were saying, well, Epic, you don't get enough money because it doesn't cost as much to teach without the overhead. And so do you think at this point, policymakers and non-Epic educators have the evidence that they need to answer some of the seemingly basic questions about how and why and under what conditions this online learning can be deployed? And is it more cost effective, or should we get more money in the hands of these people who are virtual? Like, I, and I know that that was a pretty loaded question. Lots of lots of things to unpack. But, Brent, what do you think? Um, 
will will come from that kind of uh, line of questioning for this this next session? I definitely think there are public school systems that now recognize the true costs associated with the kind of model that we operate, where it is in person, where it is virtual, where we do have the blended learning, the hybrid model at our, at our, our school sites in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. I think what we're also seeing from the State Virtual Charter School Board is people starting to ask questions. What is the appropriate level amount of funding for virtual charter schools? They did conduct a study, and essentially what the study found is that they need to do another study <laughs> about, this, about this topic. Be, being, to be as specific and as clear as possible, they found that they need to do more research to find out what the true cost of virtual education is or the type of model. I, I don't want like to say Epic is not truly virtual. Right. We have people meeting face to face. We do have a hybrid model of education, which, you know, was different than what people were experiencing during COVID because we don't teach that way. Right. Traditionally, we had to during during the pandemic and, and as the pandemic continues. Um, another crease on this is that there is some infighting in the state legislature. There are legislators right now rallying petitions, trying to call for a special session, saying that they need to address any kind of mandates for vaccines, for masks, for any kind of uh, forcing anyone to take the vaccinations. And I would say that it'll be interesting to find out what the legislature does if they do call a special session this interim or if they wait until the session begins. I think Governor Stitt has been clear uh, all along on his guidance that uh, he is not going to make any mask mandates, that he is okay with the state proceeding as it has done. And I think that um, there is some definitely some consternation within the state legislature on how to address these issues. And that spills over absolutely into the public sector. And we've seen school systems who are now openly defying the, the, yeah. the ban on mask mandates. So Oklahoma City Public Schools, uh, Santa Fe, I believe it was Santa Fe. They started uh, it. Starter School. So I, all these entities are beginning to challenge this thing. Uh, Tulsa Public Schools uh, is rumored to get a, also challenge this, this, uh, this uh, mask ban. So I, I think it will be interesting to see what happens in the near future. But a lot of uncertainty surrounding this. And to the crux of your question, I think that people are now recognizing that there is a true expense attached to the way that we educate. But what it's going to turn out to and what policies can be created around that is yet to be determined because I don't think they've solidified it enough. Um, gosh, I, I could not imagine um, waiting until the legislative session to make more uh, conversation happen around masks, vaccines, and such. People are, I mean, we are already starting to see an influx again in enrollment because of people either making mandates or not making mandates. You know, um, we're already seeing enrollment increase again because schools have said, you know, this, uh, shoot, um, I saw one of our our own administrators, uh, their kiddo, has already been sent home 
after the second day of school because there's a COVID case in their classroom, you know? And so it's already starting and people are already starting to say, we're not going to put up with this again. We're coming back to Epic. We, we weren't planning on it, but we will be coming back to it. Do you think there... Do you think, in your in your opinion, Brant, that interim session's coming? No. Really? I, I think it's going to be. I think it's. I I don't think a special session is going to be called for. Okay. I I could be wrong, but I I I don't know. Todd, what what do you think about that? Um. I think the governor, like you said, has been really clear about that. Um. Typically, typically the school systems uh, that are probably going to push against the mask mandate uh, ban that, that the governor has probably don't side with the governor politically in the first place, and probably most of their legislators don't either. And so I'm not sure that they're going to be asking to go you know, for a special session. Uh, I think he's probably going to just try to hold the line and uh, just continue with what he does. It's my guess. I, yeah. I think there's good wisdom in in his position, in my opinion, just because it gives schools an opportunity to differentiate themselves and try something new because there there was a lot of success with schools that went ahead and operated uh, as usual last year. Because they're not in the same place as other other schools are, yeah. You know, and and um, it, this opens up options. Uh, Todd, I'm coming back to you again. Um, let's say you don't know what Epic is. You haven't been here for the last couple of years. You're you're back to being um, a representative for Oklahoma. What kind of things do you want to know about Epic? What kind of things do you think? Um, our, our legislators and representatives still don't know that you think that they do need to know at this point? That's a good question because uh, from a legislative standpoint, when I served uh, for 12 years, uh, for the time that Epic existed, what I heard coming through my door was, here's how Epic operates, and it was always the traditional superintendents, uh, the school board association, whatever it was, that are all representing traditional schools. Let us tell you what Epic is doing wrong. And and so they need to hear. Brant and I can go to them on, on a few occasions and say, hey, that's that's not right, or try to, try to battle against that. But we're dealing with 500 and whatever school districts with superintendents that are inundating their, their um their legislators. And so what really helps us is to have individuals to be able to tell them, listen, here's how we operate. Here's why our kids are so unique. The one thing that, that really impresses me about Epic, whereas the traditional school model will, will often say we are the only option and we should be the only option. What I hear from Epic is we are a good option for the right kid. We're not for everybody, but there is a kid that, that fits our model. We're the right option for the right teacher, but not every teacher fits our model. And we probably aren't going to be for the majority of students in the state, but we are for a select group that either doesn't fit in or they have other plans that they're doing. They want to move faster, whatever it is. So they need to hear that. 
So Epic, what, what happens is as a legislator, I would hear Epic's taking all of our kids and then they send them back after October 1st and just so they can make money. And all of the Epic kids that they send back uh, are behind. Well, what they never hear is that, listen, 80% of our kids that we get are, are behind in a, in a gray. I was going to say, if they come to us, we start in September and send them back in October. How much behind could they have possibly gotten in that well, one or two months? Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, though, is that as a legislator, as you sit there, all you're hearing is that. So you're like, gosh, there must be. There must be some truth to this. This is this is really true. So I would just, on behalf of Brant and I, encourage anybody that has a relationship with the legislator to really educate them on, man, well, here's what I do, or here's our experience as a student or as a parent, and here's why we appreciate that, uh, and to always be very uh, respectful and kind, because I tell you, as a legislator, some of the worst meetings were with educators and it was, it was one of those things where I thought none of these educators would want their students acting like they're acting Ooh. and that leaves a mark on you. Yeah. I know both, uh, both of the gentlemen that work in Creek County here at, uh, Lee Wright and, um, Lawson. Uh, Lawson thank you. Uh, they both, really enjoy coffee. And Mark and I have walked around the corner to CTX uh, a couple of different times. We've met in his office a couple of different times. Those legislators love coffee uh, and, and and probably live on coffee, especially right now while they're, they're trying to do all their research and definitely during the sessions. Uh, if you don't have a relationship with those people, make one, uh, invite them to coffee. Uh, you know, the... I, I can't I can't tell you um, the number of when when I was working in brick and mortar and then even here you know whenever I ask people have you spoken with your legislator and and they're like well how do I find out who that is I just can't imagine working um, in the public sector and not knowing who represents me you know I, it it and I'm a geek maybe uh, call it the the civics and and government uh, geek in me that wants to know and wants to be a part of those things but all, you don't have to to try to persuade or you're not a lobbyist all you're doing is telling stories and and as long as you're telling your stories and the stories of your kiddos they'll listen well and the other the other thing is you know don't talk at them Yes. Uh, I think the, the thing that people maybe lose sight of because we, we all pay attention to national politics is that here on the state level, one, there's it's very easy to get a hold of your legislator because they just have one person in their office that, that is their go-between. It's their assistant. But they are the legislature are just common people that have chosen to go serve, and it's relational. And so... Having coffee, hey, can I visit with you? Uh, you know, the, the thing that you say is, what do you know about Epic? Tell me what you tell me what you think about Epic, and 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 let me tell you my story. You know, so you don't have to have all the answers if you're going to meet with them. Um, in fact, it, it probably is better if you don't act like you have all the answers. Yeah, it's probably better just to be personal and re- relational and encouraging. I, Brant and I, I think one thing that we always 
strive to do is at least lead legislators, whether they like Epic or not, where they at least don't dislike us because of the way we acted. I like that. Right? I mean, so they can't help but like us on a personal level and feel good about the character of Epic. I, I had an event, Brand and I had an event this uh, weekend, uh, and some FCA um, administrative staff and teachers came to volunteer. And I tell you, it was so impressive to see just how positive, enthusiastic, outgoing uh, they were, regardless of whatever job they were asked to do. And I thought that spoke so much more than, let me tell you why you need to vote like this or that. Okay. Uh, And so that leads me to another question here. And Brant, I'm going to come to you on this. You guys have kind of started a new branch of your duties this year. And and, um, why don't you tell me about the thing that you guys are, the things that you guys are going to try to do uh, across the state this year, Brant? There's really, besides the traditional duties that we've always carried out for community relations, there's really two kind of endeavors that are working hand in hand together. Uh, The first is that we're attempting to create a district leader, uh, a 48 member panel of district leaders that will represent Epic across the state of Oklahoma. Uh, These are Epic staff members, teachers, administrators from various walks of life, but living in the districts themselves across the state. And we're doing this to have more of a boots on the ground approach and a one of the advantages that traditional brick and mortars has over our school system is that they have that local feel. They have the football games on Friday nights. They have a, a physical uh, visual representation. And while we serve every county in the state of Oklahoma, we don't necessarily have a visual representation of the services that we provide. And so we're really trying to empower our staff members in more of a, of a, of a, like I said, empowering, but trying to get them to go out and represent the school system as a whole and tell those stories and make those connections with those elected officials, but also with stakeholders and with members of their community. Uh, the other aspect of this is that we are attempting, and, and Todd has put together some great events so far, but community service events across the state of Oklahoma. Uh, this last weekend was the first one in Claremore. Uh, We have one scheduled in Stillwater for next month, and we are trying to identify uh, various uh, community service events that Epic staff and students, if they would like to, can engage with uh, uh, to uh, give more of a representation, once again, of our statewide impact. We are everywhere. We just don't look it right now. Sometimes people don't realize that we are offering these services this is a weird, this is kind of a callback, but there are some legislators who don't know that Epic is free in public education. Yes. Well, there are parents I, that contact us all the time through our website saying, is this free? How much do I charge? How I much mean, does this yeah, cost? Yeah. Exactly. I get that question more often than I feel like I'm comfortable with getting that question. Yes. Because it's like, what do we have to do to prove that we're a public education 
you know, the uh, outlet that we're a service to the state. You know, we, so, we used to have on the website, it said, uh, Epic Charter Schools, a free education for, and I was like, gosh, that seems so gimmicky. Can we just take a free education for off? And they were like, no. And, and if you're still getting the question, Brant, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else we need to do there. Brant will walk in the door with somebody and have that discussion walk out the door and hear them in a meeting, we're talking about legislators here, refer to us as a private school. Ah. And so I know he beats his head, I do too, on what do we got to say, you know. But those two endeavors are, are kind of, they work together. They're, they're conjoined, but they're, they're a dual endeavor, and it's, it's a new project. And once again, we're really trying to get more of a representation that Epic is in every community. We are in Lawton. We are in Elk City. We are in Idabel. We do provide services to all these different communities. And we need to make sure that these leaders across the state of Oklahoma and these stakeholders, these chambers of commerce, these other kind of stakeholder organizations recognize our contribution to the state. Yes. Yes. And, and, uh, I know you said you've got the one in Stillwater next month and then we're, we're also doing the, the St. Jude's walk run at the end of September too, correct? That's right. Yes, that is correct. So cool. So cool. Hey, the, uh, the one in, uh, in Stillwater is at OSU. Um, and it's connected with the OSU football game, their, their home opener football game. So what's going on? Tell us about it. Well, so John Talley, Representative John Talley, uh, also is a representative for the Fellowship Christian Athletes, and they are doing the uh, OSU FCA Game Day Witness. So before the game, they will check in all the kids, they have a big rally, and then everybody goes down to the game and, and enjoys the game. Uh, our, our people can either volunteer or if students want to attend, they could you know, we can also uh, find a way for them to attend. Gosh, and and can you imagine our students getting to talk to John Talley and and tell them who they are right there to his face and and let him walk away uh, from that day knowing a face that goes with a, a story. What what a great what a great idea, guys. Yeah. So anyway, it'll benefit him, and uh, and I'm I'm excited about that. Good, good. Um, what, uh, what if, if, if you had one agenda item that you wanted to see in this next legislative session, if we could rally our parents to help us out and, and you could tell them what, what's one thing, and, and you guys can have different things if you want, um, but Todd, what's one thing you would like to see our legislators working on this next session as it pertains to Epic Charter Schools? Well, as it pertains, so when I served, one of the things that I always tried to advocate was that, listen, we make changes every year in education, and yet we never give time to see how those changes manifest and 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 function, right? So. Yeah. We make a change, and then the next year we're trying to change what we just changed because we didn't like how the change worked. and we, we didn't even give it time. So if I had my goal, I would say, legislators, please just don't do anything. Okay. Epics, Epics had a lot done to it, and 
we need to just be quiet. We're, we're doing a service. Let us be, and let's see, you know, in two or three years, if you don't like it, then we can talk about that. Okay. Brant, same question. What's one thing you'd either like to see or not see? In the I, I definitely agree with Todd. Okay. I will say the one thing that I always attempt to write to, to reinforce every time that I meet with legislators, once again, is the funding inequalities that exist between traditional brick and mortar public school students versus like a virtual option, a hybrid model like Epic and the disparities that exist. And I always like to reiterate that. I'm like, once again, by the way, do you know that a child who work, work, you know, goes to Epic is worth thousands of dollars less every year compared to what a, a, that same child going to down the corner to their neighborhood school system would be, you know, equated to for the, uh, uh, for the, uh, per pupil expenditure. And, um, I think that that is eye opening for a lot of legislators when they see that. And I think that that is something that we have to always reinforce. Once again, some of our detractors always talk about the money that ethic receives. Well, did you also know that we receive thousands of dollars less than what, you know, the traditional brick and mortar down the street would be receiving? And so that's that's always something that I like to talk about. One of our charters does allow us to have buildings and see students in those buildings. But the other charter, the, the bigger of the two charters, actually, we don't have buildings, but where we would spend money on that building and the maintenance and the upkeep and all that overhead we've actually shifted that to paying the mileage of teachers. And so if each teacher has 30 students on their roster, and for what it's worth, anybody listening, like teachers do not have 500 students on their roster. Uh, I know that that's something that, that other virtual schools do. But so each, each teacher has 30 students on their roster and they travel to Brant, I'm going to travel the 15 miles to your house today, and then I've got to go another 11 miles to Todd's house, and then I've got to come back home. We pay for the mileage of that teacher versus the building that that teacher would do the teaching in. And so um, we do have costs associated in this hybrid model that people don't really take into account uh, and just because we don't have a building. I think the other cost that schools found out this year was just the the expense of trying to keep your uh, online infrastructure operational and then also providing enough um, technology mm. so that people could actually connect. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, getting the, the Wi-Fi and getting the computer and all that kind of stuff. People take that for granted, but that, there's an expense with that. Well, and I know uh, Clinton Public Schools, they realized uh, under, uh, I think it was Kevin Heim when he he was still running Clinton, um, that they had a huge issue with Wi-Fi out there and that families just didn't have Wi-Fi in their homes. So they, Clinton Public Schools put Wi-Fi in a park or found somebody to sponsor it so that that you would find people in this park until 10 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night because that was a Wi-Fi access point here. Instead of, we don't have a park we can do, we we put Wi-Fi in the hands of those kiddos uh, through individual little, you know, jetpack or MiFi's. And so just getting the technology and the internet to to families is huge here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, guys, uh, we will have you on before this next legislative session. Wow, what a number COVID did on us last year. But um, uh, we we thank you for your information. Everybody, share this. Share the link to this episode with your legislator. Uh, you know, they've got some drive time, some walk time, some some windshield time as well. And it's it's a quick way to get up to date with all the things that impact us as far as your legislators go. So so share the link and, and share the podcast with your friends and family. Uh, until next week, uh, you'll tune in where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.